0: Thank you, Lisa. He is great, isn't he, our God? We're well, we closing out a series on portraits of the Antichrist as we're finishing up in Revelations 12 and 13. And uh, we're going to look this morning at the last few verses of Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18. So I'll ask when you find that if you will stand in our God's honor. I read from the word. He also forced everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight. Let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is man's number. His number is 666. Let's pray. Father as we look. Father at. This beast. In power father requiring a mark of identification. Identification. On all people. Thank you father. That you have placed your mark. Upon your people Lord. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Made alive through Christ. We rest. We trust in you. And we long for you dear Lord. Thank you that you are returning. And may we look for you Lord. In what we say. And what we do. And who we are. May our lives look for you. We love you, Lord. I pray that you might continue to move in our midst, that the rest of this service, Father, your Holy Spirit, would be evident. Lord, we need you so desperately. Turn our eyes to Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we opened up in Revelation chapter 12, we were introduced to the red dragon. Satan himself, who had a ferocious hunger to hurt and destroy the Jews, to fight against God and his kingdom. And the word Antichrist uh, can be used to mean instead of, or it can be used as opposed to. And of course, he fulfilled both of those, opposed to God's kingdom. And, wanting to take the throne that rightfully belongs to God. And so he was a false substitution. And that's what will occur in the coming days. And then in Revelation 13, we are introduced to two men who are enabled and empowered by this dragon. The Antichrist himself who will rise to power and the false prophet who will promote him. And who will use powers which are given to him by the red dragon. To introduce this one. This antichrist is the one who is the Messiah. But he is a false Messiah. Not the true Messiah. There are some preachers, some teachers out there. Who want to give you specific details on. Well, when will this occur? When Will there be these last days of the tribulation? When will the rapture occur? Uh, Give us details about the countries involved. And I want to be real careful here with, with, with trying to get so specific. I mean, Jesus himself said, I don't know the day or the hour. You know what he said? He said, watch and pray. You know what our call is? Be ready. Live with the recognition that God's watching. And that as we wait, we will return to him in that time. In that time of his calling. As you look at the apostle Paul, he said clearly in First Corinthians 15, 52, that it'll be like the blinking of an eye, that, that twinkling, that blinking of an eye when his return will occur. First Thessalonians four seventeen, Paul thought it could be any moment within his lifetime. Peter in 2 Peter three thirteen thought it was just around the corner that our Lord would return. John in 1 John two eighteen said, we're living in that last hour. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10, he commended them for being committed to Christ. So much so that they turned from idols and that they followed a living and true God as they wait for his son from heaven. And the very book of Revelation, our scriptures, end where our Lord says, I'm coming soon. And John says, come, Lord Jesus, come. Revelation twenty two twenty. 20. And really, that's to be our heart. I guess here in the mountains, we'd say, come on, Lord. Come on quickly. That, that, that's, that's the heartbeat of the Christian as we look. For his coming. And what we have looked for. Is, is not to give you specific details. But rather to lay that groundwork. And that foundation. Of what will occur. What it will be like. And we've discussed how. You know for that to occur. There would have to be a loss. In the belief that this book. Is a book that is from God. That is inspired by God. That is God breathed. And that contains God's truth. There has to be a loss of the belief that there's only one savior. That there's only one way to God. And of course we see now that there are many in this age. Who teach it doesn't matter how you get there. We're all headed the same way. But yet, the very truth of the book says, no, there is only one way, and man could not earn that way. That's why God left heaven. That's why we have the incarnation where Jesus took human form. Why the sinless one walked among us, and he healed those who were sick, and he freed those from demon possession, and he died on an old rugged cross, and he rose from the grave, and he's by the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That's the truth of the gospel. What we face now is a foundation that's being set to deny God's way and to proclaim many ways. Back after 9 we had that devastating terrorism attack. You remember Miguel Gorbachev, the president of the Soviet Union? He said in a conference in Madrid, Spain, the victims of the September 11th attack on the United States will not have died in vain if world leaders use the crisis to create a new world order. If we act as we did after September 11th, uniting efforts of fighting against terrorism. If we maintain the coalition, we will not only prevent a new Cold War, but we could get a new world order that is desirable to all of us. Where we just all get along and we just melt our beliefs together. That, that is the picture. Think about it. The Hindus who will abandon their 300,000 gods to go after one whom they perceive as divine. Of the Buddhists who will stop looking for the arrival of the fifth Buddha. And will turn to what they behold to be the Messiah. The promised one. The Muslims will forget about Muhammad. All other religions will turn and look at this one who considers himself the promised one, the Messiah, the coming one, the new world leader who brings peace, who will solve the problems, who holds the answers. That is the foundation that's being laid. And quite honestly, as we look at our culture in America, it troubles me. At times, I'd try to talk to people about Christ. And sometimes we use the same terminology. But it doesn't mean the same thing. There are people that have such a mixture of beliefs that they have pieced together where they say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm also a Buddhist or I'm a Muslim or I believe in reincarnation and I can put all that together. And, and there is this connection of, of bringing together. And it frightens me because I see more and more as the years pass that we know less and less about God's Word. I have, I have seen it, and, and, and it hasn't been that long ago, just a decade ago, where we had wonderful programs to share our faith. But the truth is, we've moved beyond a point where you had some basic assumptions when you shared those, that people had an idea of. Of the scriptures. That people had a basic idea. Of belief in God. Now there's an understanding. Of a unification of all beliefs. Leading to God. And even within the church. Satan has learned. Instead of attacking the church. He just joins the church. And false teaching comes within the church. And the gospel is distorted. And changed. One pseudo Christian leader. Pretend. (laughs) Christian leader wrote the following, I can't find one place in the teachings of Jesus or the Bible for that matter, where we are to identify ourselves first and foremost as sinners. Now, this doesn't mean we don't sin. That's obvious. The greatest truth of the story of Adam and Eve isn't that it happened, but that it happens. The greatest truth, he says, is that It happens that people sin. That's a bleak way to end. The greatest story told is not that it happened or that it happens. The greatest story told is that Jesus paid the price for sin. That we have hope beyond our sin. Rob Bell, one from the Emergent Church Movement that I've mentioned in several of these messages. He said these words. He said, I can't find one place in the teachings of the Bible, for that matter, where we are to identify ourselves first and foremost. First and foremost as sinners. And what immediately comes to our mind, those of us who've read the scriptures, is Paul's declaration in 2 Timothy 1:15. Remember what he said? He said, Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners among whom I'm foremost of all. As it says in the King James, I'm the chief. You know, I'm not one of these little braves. I'm the chief of sinners. And then, of course, I think of Romans 5, 8. What a beautiful verse. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for our fruitless efforts to pretty ourselves up and clean ourselves up. While we were still sinners, he died for us. It is the work of God, not our work that ultimately makes the difference. 1 Peter 2:24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live righteousness, for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Brian McLaren, another leader of the emergent church movement, we'll read some of his words. In the Bible, the word save means rescue or heal. It emphatically does not mean save from hell or give eternal life after death, as many preachers seem to imply in sermon after sermon. Yeah, we do. (laughs) That's not in there. I just had to say that. Save means to get out of trouble. The trouble could be sickness, war, poverty, imprisonment, or any kind of danger. This is not the gospel. I mean, if he was going to save us from those difficult details of life, no Christian would get the flu. Or you wouldn't run out of money. Or you wouldn't break your foot. Or Paul, boy, he's in some deep trouble. He spent a lot of time in prison. You wouldn't spend any time in prison. This is not the message that is being shared. So how? how does this leader... Through the work of the red dragon and the antichrist and the false prophet. How how do so many people turn away from the truth of God in under four years? The church is raptured and there's this radical transformation. As we look around us, I love the words of A.W. Tozer. He described the church this way. Limping from one gimmick to another like so many drunks in a fog. Where the people of God, where the church of God has lost the message of God. The mission of God. This is disturbing. Um, You see, we think about the last 30 years as many of the churches have been courting the seeker to make the lost person feel comfortable. The church has not called him. In an effort to make the church more comfortable for the unbeliever, the church has effectively stopped believing anything uncomfortable, much less communicating anything that is uncomfortable. And as a result of that, every day, three to five churches are closing in America. Every month, every 30 days, a mosque is opened. There are now more Muslims in America than there are Episcopalians. Why, why why, am I saying all this? It, it's just a picture of what is happening. As we lose the truth, we are open to buying the lie. And as we look around us, as we see that's what is occurring. And, and so it is being set up so that when the Antichrist arrives and the false prophet performs his great signs and, and miracles, people have lost any sight of what to believe and so they're ready to believe Him. Listen to this from Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Paul says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears massaged, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. What's the latest fad, the latest myth, the latest religion, the latest popular book? That's itching ears they'll turn to. I heard a few months ago listening to a preacher on the radio. And he said that uh, he received this message from over in Africa about the Episcopal Church over there. And they're a lot more conservative in Africa than they are in America And some of the African bishops of the Episcopal Church got into an argument with American bishops over the ordination of homosexual ministers. John Shelby Spong, the Episcopalian bishop in America, in his anger, not being able to change the mind of the African bishops and their views, lashed out. And here's what he said. The reason the African bishops believe the Bible so literally is because they have been so recently converted from paganism to which one of the leaders from Africa, the bishop from Uganda, responded. I love this. The reason Bishop Spung does not believe the Bible is because he has so recently been converted to paganism. Oh boy, if the church is no longer sought And lie. Where can people turn? This one struck me. I read about eHarmony, those who tried to find the love match. (laughs) They were in a lawsuit for several years in regard to the issue of homosexuality. And so they finally uh, closed the lawsuit and they opened a new branch of eHarmony called Compatible Partners, um, which deals with finding a same-sex single, matching them together. Uh, The leader, Neil Warren, and Anton Johnson, the vice president of eHarmony, said, We now welcome all single individuals who are genuinely seeking long-term relationships. Uh, Things are changing. And as we look in the scripture and we see, um, as this statue, as, as we looked at last time, that will be raised the image of the Antichrist and it will breathe and, and it will speak and uh, probably placed in the Holy of Holies. And it will be worshipped in those last days. Pointing to the Antichrist, missing the Christ, Jesus Christ. Now I want to look at, I'm finally to outline. <laughs> we'll look at three areas here where we see the Antichrist power. Global, physical surrender to the Antichrist. Notice verse 16 of Revelation 13. He also forced everyone. You see that there was no one who was outside of his moving, of his being worshipped. Those who were small, those who were great, those who were rich, those who were poor. Those who are free, those who are slave, they all succumbed to worshiping him. Whether it's the billionaire on Wall Street or whether it's the person who doesn't have two nickels to rub together who is basically a slave. As we look at where the mark is placed, we see on the right hand, which is a symbol of strength, as it says that Jesus is at the right hand of God, a symbol of power, a symbol of strength, and the forehead, the most conspicuous place—you have something marked on your forehead. Everybody sees it. It's very—you know—you notice it. <laughs> In Revelation chapter seven, it talks about God's evangelists, the 144,000 who are marked by God with a special mark on their forehead. The word "mark," uh, John's audience would have picked it up. It was uh, used. Traditionally, in three areas, the first area it was used often with slaves as they were branded with a mark that showed who they belonged to, who, whose possession they were. There were the soldiers who would brand themselves as an act of loyalty to the general that they served, and there was also the seal that was placed on a contract. From the emperor showing that this business dealing had the backing and the support of the emperor. The idea is they belong to the state. The idea here is that those who receive this mark belong to the Antichrist. They're his. Christian means belonging to Christ. They were anti-Christian belonging to the anti-christ. Now, I want you to notice here, too, some talk about, you know, there's a this mark might be under the skin or placed in some way that could not be visible or seen. But the whole point here is that the mark is visible. It's on the most conspicuous place, the forehead, or it's on the right hand. And the point is. um, Needs to be obvious that this person belongs to the Antichrist. That this person comes before him and turns to him because he is the answer. And those who do not receive that mark. It will be like a concentration camp. Where people will be placed to suffer. And the inmates are now numbered. And within six years many of those people will be dead. Secondly. Secondly. Global economic stranglehold by the Antichrist. Look at verse 17. So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of the name. If they don't have this mark, if they don't have this number, they won't be able to buy. They won't be able to get what they need. No gas in the car. Not able to purchase food. Not able to get those... Necessities of life. Well, how will this mark occur? I mean, it hadn't been just a few years ago. This seemed impossible. and technology is always changing. So, you know, whatever I share with you and I'll share something. And, you know, probably tomorrow they'll have something else. It's like, wow. So it's not the specific technology. We don't know exactly what technology will be used. But it's becoming more and more clear that it's possible. Uh, share with you one latest personal identification system where they put a microchip the size of a grain of rice. They're able to plant beneath the skin. This is called digital angel technology. And through the use of sensors and wireless computer technology, they're able to read your vital signs, your blood pressure, your body temperature, uh, many different. Um, other health factors, and this could be sent directly to your doctor. So it's a way to monitor your health. And, and so actually, you know, that's that's a good thing, so that they're able to keep on top of uh, if you're sick or if you need help. And I don't know about the idea of GPS being hooked to me everywhere I go, but it probably already is since I carry my cell phone everywhere, I guess. Uh, the idea... Uh, Not of a social security number, driver's license, national ID number. Uh, All of this represents his name more than exactly how this will occur. There was another article I read about using radio frequency identification tags. It was very interesting. um, Where they can use these tags in order to... Keep track of information that is next to the tag, and they're actually working on some technology to put these things in grocery carts, so that when you place the item in a grocery cart, it would read the item, scan it, keep track of what you owed, so that you know when you got up to check out, all you had to do was pay, and you know, and working on where they could just automatically take it off your credit card as you, you know, walk through the aisle and you have everything, get out of the store. So I mean. This would be good for those who get that gallon of milk, you know, and you hear this pleasant, but now you know, you got the chocolate donuts. it's probably, (laughs) put that back, you don't need that. Or they're working on a standardized barcode that that could be used. And it's interesting because in this article, it talked about um, using the European article numbering code. It just seems to fit into prophecy of what we read. Of course, the truth of the matter is, you need Jesus. The scripture says that if you have Jesus, you're not going through this. You're going with Him. This talks about those who miss the rapture. Who missed his return, and in his mercy and in his grace, he gives another chance to receive him. But there will be suffering that will occur. But what a blessing! What a blessing to know that when we trust Jesus, where he is, and he's coming back for us, and we will meet him in the air. All right, one more here. Global spiritual supremacy of the Antichrist, verse. 18, or last verse. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is man's number. His number is 666. Different numbers in the scripture have spiritual meaning. Of course, the number three talks about the triune God. Uh, The number seven represents perfection. The number one represents unity. That we may all be together. The number six represents man. And so the triple designation of 666 is speaking about the antichrist' work to imitate and mimic the true God. He is the triune man, not the triune God. He'd like to be 777, but he's 666 as a man failing three times over. John t- talks about calculating the number. The Greek word's the word we get our word geometry from. And it was a practice of taking Greek and Hebrew letters and giving them numeric equivalents and then coming up with numeric values. And of course, we've probably all heard sermons where different names were used to come up with 666. There were those who thought Hitler was the Antichrist. I mean, I could use a uh, other illustrations the problem is um, we don't know what language exactly will be used is it Hebrew is it Latin is it Greek is it German is it English is it Italian Uh, but they'll have wisdom in that time of which this occurs God will provide a wisdom so that they can properly calculate that number uh, just a simple example, like in our language, if we said A equals 1, B2, C equals 3, and so forth, there are several combinations you could use in order to come up with 666. Six, six. I could use two A's and one D. I could use one C, one B, and one A. Uh, all this equals 6. I could even use two C's. That sounds like a report card almost. Um, the different combinations that could be used. On the walls of Pompeii, archaeologists found where a man had written this note. He said, I love her whose number is 545. And that wasn't her phone number. They didn't have telephones in. Uh, it was a way of identifying it so that others, the identity would be concealed. But those who knew her would know what he was talking about. So this is the challenge of, in trying to determine 666. It is a type of puzzle. Uh, there are those who said, Henry Kissinger... Equals 666, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Ronald Reagan, even Bill Gates. Came up with a way for Bill Gates equals 666. I don't think God wants us to waste our energy and our time uh, trying to use these numeric equations to come up with that. In that time where it is needed, God will give the wisdom to reveal the number. The number. So, what's the job of the church In the meantime, as we wait for our Lord to return and to call us home, well, the job is to make sure that other people know that He's come, and that He's died for sins, and that He wants to forgive. It's the work of the gospel, it's the mission of the Master to spend all time and all eternity. Their God. And that comes through Christ. That's our mission. In the mountains of Colorado, one of the rescue teams, here's their motto they say, millions of people visit the mountains of Larimer County, Colorado each year. A few will become lost, stranded, or injured. Some will die. Our objective is to find and rescue these lost or injured people before it's too late. We are dedicated to saving lives. Let's pray. Father, as we have taken time to look, Father, at the portraits of the Antichrist, the false one, our hearts now turn to the true one, our Lord Jesus Christ, who paid the price for all sin. Who chose to leave the comforts of heaven to cure the disease of sin that is rampant among us, Lord? Father, I pray if there be one here who, for whatever reason, has not heard this message or not received the message with understanding, maybe today's the day, Father, where you have spoken to someone and it is time to say, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness. I ask Jesus to. Forgive me to give me new life, new hope, new start. What a great day to do that. Father, may that one pray and receive new life. And Father, I just pray that might occur, Father. For those of us who, Lord, we just kind of lose our way. and Father, we get away from the main thing being the main thing. Father, set us back to you um, as it says in your word and revelation. We might remember, Father, you, where we used to be, and come back. Father, I pray for that. Um, we need you, Lord. We just worship you. And, Father, maybe we need to pray at the altar. Maybe we need to make a decision for you. I don't know what you're up to. My prayer is always that you'd be free to work and that we would listen. So, Father, move among us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.